0: Welcome to the Weekly High with LSD podcast the Leslie and Subu dialogue covering the most happening technology news that affect India.
1: Uh, so hello friends and welcome once again to the Weekly High with LSD show. Uh, we have with us today my colleague El Subramaniam, uh, better known as Subu, who co-hosts uh, the show. And Anurag uh, Agarwal, who heads uh, San Francisco SMB IT market research and industry analyst firm, called TechEye. Uh, now, Anwar is a veteran market research executive and was earlier the COO of AI Partners. He was a senior VP with Knowledge Networks and uh, was a VP with Gartner. Uh, initially, he began uh, his market research career with IDC, where he was responsible for launching IDC's quarterly research. So you see, he has got a whole spectrum of market research around him, a very interesting uh, kind of uh, portfolio. Uh, but before we get uh, talking with um, uh, Anulat, uh, as is the format of the show, uh, we will be talking a little about the newsworthy uh, developments, uh, newsworthy tech developments uh, of uh, this week. So if you see, uh, the first news item we see is Sophia and four other humanoid robots will be mass-produced uh, by the end of the year, according to Hansen Robotics. Uh, these four models uh, would be uh, would start rolling out uh, of their factories in the first half of 21. 21- um, in uh, according to a Reuters report, uh, Data Privacy uh, Day was celebrated on uh, January twenty eighth. Uh, according to the UN, uh, one hundred twenty eight of one ninety four countries have passed the legislation. Uh, of these, ten percent of the countries have drafted legislation, but nineteen percent have no legislation at all. Uh, If you look at Apple's uh, take on uh, privacy, uh, uh, CEO uh, Tim Cook uh, recently said that algorithms manipulate users. Well, there's nothing new in that. We all know exactly how apps work. But the interesting part is coming from Cook. uh, It's an interesting statement saying that the apps industry collects dollars, 227 billion in revenue each year. Uh, Interestingly, Apple will uh, will soon roll out its app tracking uh, uh, transparency measures. These will prompt users when apps want to access advertising it's, uh, uh, on Apple's uh, operating system. Mind you, it's not on Android. And Google said it will, it is going to work how to comply with uh, these requests. It's interesting out there. Uh, global, uh, so World Economic Forum has launched the Global AI Action Alliance. Uh, this brings together a group of uh, more than companies and the idea is to uh, sort of promote transparent AI because you need explainable AI algorithms that can explain why they have taken this particular uh, action. Uh, according to PWC, AI could contribute more than dollars $15 trillion to the world economy by 2030. And last but not the least, uh, since Anurag is also, uh, uh, I think Anurag knows the person quite well. Uh, Subhu, you know uh, Shridhar Vembu, so it was just a fitting recognition that he was awarded uh, India's fourth highest civilian honor, the Padma Shri, on Republic Day. Uh, I think that was quite uh, uh, development. Uh, so uh, let's start with uh, you, uh, Anurag. Uh, are you uh, impressed with uh, Sophia? Does it I mean, you deal primarily with the SMB uh, channels uh, and and the channel market as such. But what is your impression of uh, these smart humanoids? I know they are not in the league of uh, artificial general intelligence or artificial super intelligence or anything like that. What's your take?
0: So I think it's important to understand as to what's the objective of these human rights, right? One is to have, a, you know, two aspects of it. One is how you can be deployed in the business sector, which could be in more ways than one, which you talk about manufacturing or financial services or healthcare or even retail, right? Those are the, the sectors. But the more important thing is, can they be useful to be deployed within the households, within the the consumer segment in an as a service model? Obviously they'll be uh, frightfully expensive to kind of own and buy by individual households. But but I think it's a step in the right uh, direction, but a lot of work still needs to be done in terms of what this humanoid is able to capture the information from the end customers or end users or in the environment that they are operating in, whether it comes to data or privacy and what's the level of of security out there. So I think there are still so many unanswered questions and only the, the deployment and the adoption will start to tell us what the learnings are for now and for the future.
1: You made a very interesting statement saying uh, talking about the cost and obviously that was uh, expected because you deal with the kind of sector that doesn't have too many resources on hand to invest in these kind of technologies. But interestingly, these robots can also be leased. I think there are some companies which you are well aware of that also lease these robots on an hourly basis. Does that actually work on the factory code? Because I mean, from
0: uh, reports, it seems to be working. <laughs> So so robots in general have been extremely advantageous for the business segment, right? I mean, you look at Amazon's warehouses, right? You cannot walk into an Amazon warehouse. So for that matter, any very large, you know, three or four, you know, US football size fields, you know, you start to look at that, you know, is the, is the robots that are doing most of the work, right? and then you are there are there are so many useful use cases whether it be in the us or europe or even in some of the asia pacific countries where your goods your whatever you've you've ordered online are being delivered through robots right within a defined area so 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 there are many different aspects of it right so i, I don't think the the cost is a going to be an inhibitor it's what are the use cases and how those use cases can be easily applied to my, to my segment. For example, in a re, in a retail store, you know, how many times do you walk into a retail store where you are trying to, to look for a sales clerk or somebody who can answer your questions, you know? And th- th- think about it, a, a robot like, like Sophia can, can walk up to you and say, "Hey, looks like you are looking for something. Do you need any help? Can I help you?" Right? And and we have seen that, and I have interacted with many companies who are using robots in in big malls and so on and so forth. So so there are many different use cases. I don't think cost is the main inhibitor. I think the the issue will be what's the use case, who can manage it, how they will be be managed, what does the data collection look like, and how that data will be used.
2: Yeah. So Anurag, here is where I have a question for you. The question is that, uh, yes, uh, the use cases are going to be uh, terribly critical. And we also have to look at the, uh, you know, the data privacy and how they collect data and what kind of use the data is going to be put to and so on and so forth. But from a purely Indian context, where it's a labor intensive economy, and the cost of labor is really not prohib- prohibitive. Uh, do you think that could be an inhibitor for the adoption of, uh, you know, Sofia in India or India like countries?
0: Yes, th- e- e- yes, and no. But I don't think we should l- look at look at robots as a as a cost arbitrage issue, right? Because I think India is one of the 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 countries where there is tremendous adoption of digitization i think we should look at it from that perspective when you have coming back to my retail example right when you have so much of em- emphasis going on you know on competition between amazon or flipkart or you know slash walmart and then you have the reliance stores and all that there are so many different opportunities which are there and what will happen is that, that that the labor which is currently doing the manual labor could be easily deployed or could be easily trained to do something else, a lot more, more upskilling, right? Which kind of gives them more uh, salary per hour type of thing. I think that's the way we should think about it in terms of the the, the positive impact of robots like this.
1: Yeah, okay. I think it's pretty interesting because uh, super uh, uh, specifically talking about the India market, you have these uh, Roomba robots that uh, that are yep. being used by uh, households out here. You have a company that is Grey Orange, which is very well known uh, throughout the world for its collaborative robots. So a lot of human uh, machine collaboration is on with robots on the shop floor uh, in uh, Maruti, uh, Hironda, ABB, Siemens, and yep. all these other yep. other companies. Right, e- even in India as we. Uh, Speak. So there is a lot of uh, this stuff. And also, interestingly, I think um, uh, we need not look at, uh, I I mean, uh, basically. Uh, whenever we talk about robots, we are thinking about hardware, we are thinking about androids, but there are also efforts like uh, Iron Manor Mystery's Neon instance, which uh, which was touted as the world's world's first uh, artificial human, which is basically a software you just had a kind of a projection of a a screen and it runs on an AI engine and actually it has been implemented uh, or rather it is being implemented in banks in uh, Japan and Korea, etc. And he has plans to get it out uh, soon in India because I was uh, partly involved in that project so I, I I know about it and we had launched it at the Consumer Electronics Shola uh, in 2019 and there are similar a lot of uh, these kind of uh, uh, projects that are being used in the fashion industry and other uh, kind of uh, uh, sure. uh, retail especially as uh, Uh, Anurag uh, pointed out. But uh, other than uh, the Boston Dynamics, the dancing robots and all this, so there's a lot of uh, work as we all uh, know. Uh, Let's uh, segue a bit into the data privacy. uh, uh, So International Data Privacy Day on uh, January 20th, and apps, I think every app for that matter of fact collects humongous amounts of data. Is it, Supo? Let me ask you because you uh, uh, talk a lot about cybersecurity and privacy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, are you seeing? A, is it uh, advantages today with all the kind of moves that Tim Cook is making and Apple is making? Is it better to have a, an iPhone as opposed to an Android? Would you
2: feel that's working? or everybody I, is the same? <laughs> I, I think. Look, there is a lot of rhetoric on data privacy. Uh, clearly the, the the urgency of the situation has been felt and the fact that you know cook is talking about allowing the apple users to you know set the set, do the settings is uh you know enough evidence of the fact that it is a serious issue however however the jury is still out there because i think the amount of data that is being collected i, I don't think the problem is about the data being collected okay that's just one dimension the other dimension is, what is being done with the data? As a user, do I know, A, that my data is being collected? Probably in the fine print, I have tick marks somewhere and I, I, I think, you know, my ascent has been there. Two, are the guys who are collecting my data, purveying my data and making money and not telling me? The answer to that is absolutely yes, they are doing that. Three, do I know where the data is being uh, sent to? The answer is no. I don't know. So, the I think the you have when you look at data privacy, you got to look at all of them. And I I would I've been arguing this for the longest time that I think that uh, you know whether it's the United States or India or any of those countries we don't have the legislation. I think for them the best place to look for in terms of data privacy and stringency is probably Europe, because so Europe has done enormous amount of work, and today you actually see. Tech companies very wary of the data privacy laws in Europe, because not only are they putting in a law, they're implementing the law, and they're telling the companies that you know we are going to crack the whip. So it is all these three dimensions which are important as far as the data privacy is concerned, not just the rhetoric. We'll get there someday, but today are we there? Not at all. Absolutely not. Anula,
1: your thoughts? Anula, can you hear this? Your thoughts
0: on this. Okay, yes, I did not hear that you were asking me a question because I think you can fit it in (laughs) and out. So I I think the the, the important point is, I mean, he's right. I mean, all those points which he has raised, but the, the question really starts is what data is being collected about myself, right? I think that's where it all starts. I don't think the users have a fundamental issue as to what, you know, if the data is being collected. But again, it says what data is being collected. You use Google Maps or use Apple Map; it is collecting the data as to where you are located, right? And if you have signed into into Google Maps, then it knows that, you know, Anurag Agrawal, is sitting in San Jose and is wanting to go to a store which is five miles ago, right? Five miles away. So it is collecting that data, and the user does not have any problem in doing that because the user itself is getting some kind of a service back. Right. But I think the the problem arises when the user is not aware as to what data is being collected and how it is being shared, right? We saw the recent backlash when Facebook announced that, hey, there is some WhatsApp data that will be shared with Facebook, right? It was a a valid concern, but then Facebook had to come out with explanations and explanations as to what it is being collected, but the users are still not convinced, which is why the WhatsApp delete started the process, right? But at the same time, people are not really saying, okay, WhatsApp is providing me a great service. I should be able to do something about it, right? And that's why you have places like, you know, uh, Duck, Duck, Go! Or you know that website yeah. is working so well; it has gone up to you know it has, it has seen a tremendous growth rate as compared to 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 Google's search engine. people still use Google, so I think the the issue is, I mean, your Europe is there. Then you have you know you have uh, California uh, Privacy Act is there, but there are very sporadic initiatives. And the users alone cannot do anything about it. It's some level of legislation is required to be able to make sure that the privacy, the data that the user is sharing with the apps, the software, are protected.
1: Yeah, if you remember, we started the whole conversation with those points. You know, according to the UN, 128 of the 194 countries have you know some sort of a. I mean. Uh, said that they'll have legislation, but of them I think uh, 19% uh, have drafted some sort of a legislation, Uh, no, 10% have drafted some sort of a legislation, 19% have no legislation at all. So we do have that problem. And speaking about uh, privacy, uh, obviously you do have alternatives. As you said, DuckDuckGo was uh, for, for the Google or uh, uh, whatever you uh, browser you want to use, or you could use a, a virtual private network a VPN, or uh, uh, there are other alternatives, whether it's a telegram, whether it's a signal. But as uh, Subhu and me, we have discuss, uh, discussed this on earlier episodes also, they don't have the network effect. So that could uh, you know uh, impact uh, businesses, basically.
0: Yeah, it is, it is absolutely important, right? The uh, network effect is extremely important, they they don't have it, that, that's why you know, the users want to use it. I mean, you started off by t- talking about Sridhar Vembu, right? One of the success factors of Zoho is that they take privacy very, very seriously. You know, they have their own uh, data centers everywhere. They don't capture any information. You know, if they captured any information, then they, they, they tell you exactly what information is being captured. I think that makes tremendous sense.
1: True. And uh, uh, we'll come to uh, Shwadal Vembu in a bit. But the interesting part is, uh, 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 Subhu, Anurag, both of you, have you seen the Facebook's uh, latest revenue figures?
0: 85. No, I'm not.
1: So, 85 uh, billion in revenue. I mean, 86 billion approximately uh, 2020 revenue. Um, I think it was around 75 or something in 2019. But the interesting part is, uh, it has got about one point, uh, if my memory serves me right, uh, around 1.8 billion uh, daily active users about 2.8 billion monthly active users and of course there's a whole category called family active users so the amount of data that it captures between facebook whatsapp instagram it's i think these are many countries put together so when we are talking about privacy when we are talking yeah
0: about- yeah yeah so i think the the issue is 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 a is is for an organization like facebook it's about monetization of right. your data, right? You use Amazon, right? Amazon knows everything about your buying habit, what you have browsed, how many family members, and everything, right? But you you have implicit trust in Amazon because it is giving you that that service. For organizations like Facebook or or similar other social media or uh, you know uh, solutions out there, is there? you're giving them information for free and they are able to monetize that data and how they are able to monetize it, where it is being shared. And when you have news that that comes out of Cambridge Analytica and all those other things, then you do not know what other hidden volcanoes are out there and that creates a problem. But then also, also we have to, th- to think about it is, does this create some kind of a bias in the system, right? And that goes back to the fact that, hey, when the humanoid is there or the, the Sophia is there, right? How will Sophia deal with an Asian versus a non-Asian, right? Versus a black, a black versus a white. So those are the elements which are there, which we have to really also address.
1: So, Supo, basically,
2: there's nothing like a free lunch, right? Well, there's never been anything like a free lunch. I mean, come on, we know, we know from the time when Microsoft, uh, you know, was was the king of this hill, uh, you know. And, and this, I mean, to, so, so here is my problem. My problem is that, you know, there is this caveat emptor. If the user believes that there is something called a freelance, then he's got a problem. You know, if we believe that WhatsApp is going to be extremely beneficial and it's going to be free always, and they're not going to make money, we are wrong. They will make money. Facebook will make money. And that's what they're as a corporation. There are, I think, I think the, the, the only issue is, do I know what data is being taken and do I know where it's going? These are to me, these are two key issues, which are which are yet unsolved. I mean, no matter what Tim Cook says, the fact of the matter is that I still don't know where my data is going. I know it's intrusive. And like Anurag said, I'm getting some value. As long as I'm getting some value back, I'm okay. But then if I'm not seeing the value and I see that you are monetizing it, and I don't know what else you know about me and you're monetizing, then I have a problem. I think the good part about all these debates and these kind of uh,
1: legislations moves, basically, at least it ensures that at, you know the pressure is on on these companies. Right? They will yeah. simply go berserk, you know. They'll be running helter skelter, and we'll be running helter skelter. So I think uh, it's important to uh, strike that balance somewhere. Yes, we do understand that there is nothing called a free lunch, but at the same time, you know where. Uh, do these? How much of introspection are the big tech really doing is anybody's guess? And, and yeah. let's um, uh, leave the topic for now. Let's segue into the uh, uh, kind of a related topic, which uh, Anurag actually did allude to when he spoke about uh, uh, algorithms or Sophia, you know, about the bias within algorithms. So now you have the uh, World Economic Forum has come out with the Global AI Alliance, uh, multi-stakeholder uh, 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 you know, uh, collaboration of about uh, more than 100 companies, which I think all the top tech companies are there. And this is one of the many such moves that has happened over a period of time. So that's also keeps the uh, pressure on. Uh, Anurag, uh, you're dealing with the SMB, d- with the, those kind of markets, these kind of alliances, what is the kind of impact are you seeing? Of, 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 forget the impact of this particular thing. Let's talk about AI adoption in the SMB market and uh, something that you have done a lot of uh, extensive research in that area.
0: So, so here is the thing about AI and ML, right? Uh, firms do not go to IT suppliers and say they want to buy AI, right? Right. They they go and say they can go and say I want to buy CRM, or servers, or hyperconverged infrastructure solutions, you know, so on and so forth. Or I want to buy PCs. But AI is one of those categories that you say, all right, they will go to suppliers with a business problem. And if the answer is AI, they are willing to adopt it, right? So there is a lot of innovation at the edge that is happening within the SMB customers, right? And AI and analytics have become an integral part of that edge adoption, right? But what we are seeing is that solutions with AI embedded within within themselves are finding the most acceptance, such as analytics, customer experience, marketing, fraud detection, HR and recruiting, process automation of uh, repetitive tasks, right? There is a pretty healthy percent of AI adoption today, both in terms of pilots that Mm -hmm. are ongoing and in terms of having a deployment phase, it varies by by the geo. But an AI is moving from a rule-based approach to RPA and natural natural language processing and deep neural networks, right? So NLP typical typical examples are SMBs during pandemic started to use a lot of chat, uh, chat bots and so on and so forth, right? So if history is any indication, we feel that AI adoption will grow faster within the SMB segment than in the enterprise segment. So the history means big data, it was supposed to be an enterprise play, but the SMB started to step forward first before big data started to kind of go away and analytics became, right? Digital transformation Enterprises have woken up now, but digitalization or digital transformation within within SMBs has already been a seven-year journey, right? So, so the short answer to your question is that AI is finding acceptance. It is first within the SMB segment, but it is first arriving as embedded Within the solutions that they are using, and I gave you so, so several different examples of that.
1: Yeah, Subhu, are you see, you subscribe to that view? Are you seeing these kind of uh, developments happening uh, throughout the world? Because basically, when I'm looking at AI, AI is uh, I, I think uh, I would uh, they, uh, subscribe to the point, uh, or the other Anurag has uh, highlighted. Uh, very aptly, basically, that it's not that companies look out for AI solutions. They would have looked out for an ERP or asked for an ERP or asked for a CRM, asked for a BI, asked for a KM or whatever it be. But they don't ask for AI. They asked, okay, can I solve a business issue out here? So,
2: nobody sells technology, particularly to their And SMBs and also to the the enterprises. Nobody sells that. They sell solutions. So, uh, if it is an HR solution, a recruitment solution with an AI engine driving the solution, that's great. The SMB or the enterprise, and SMB particularly, doesn't really give a damn about technology. For him, it is the business and the efficacy of that solution to the business. That is the most critical thing, right? So to me, uh, I mean, and you know, that's, that's always been there, no matter what the catchwords have been, the businesses have acquired, have sought by solutions. Many a time, the technology companies have sought to sell technology. And sometimes that is where the dissonance comes. Uh, Having said that your earlier question was, you know, about this alliance of, hunt, you know, AI Alliance in the, on the World Economic Forum and all that stuff. Uh, you know, Anurag has been in this, you know, in the old war horse, he's, he's been around for, you know, longer than I, uh, see these alliances have, a very, very, uh, to me, it's, it's a, it's a photo op really. I mean, we had BSA business software Alliance, you know, many, many years ago, it was supposed to be the next thing, next best thing after sliced bread. Nothing happened. It was supposed to stamp out piracy. It it did. To me, these alliances only drive home the fact that all these companies perceive that they have the same problem. And they believe that getting together, they can try and find solutions to the problem. But let's face it, all these companies are competing with each other. Okay? So it will be naive to believe that an alliance of this dramatic difference to the whole world it will not is something important and that it is something that we need to you know start peddling more and more as solutions but purely as an alliance in terms of value that it's going to drive i i i'm i'm a, I'm a skeptic honestly so,
0: so so let me give an alternate view right yes uh, alliances sometimes don't work, but I think in the in the case of AI, it may be a very useful exercise, right? When you, when these companies can these companies can share their learnings and expertise to say solve world hunger, deforestation, right, or you know. Um, uh, um, uh, fires in the, in the, um, in the, in the, in the forest, right. Or, you know, look at wildlife uh, uh, extension, you know, so when you start to look at those kind of things or so disease and, you know, um, water sanitation, those kind of things, if you start to pool your resources, the learnings, then I think these kind of alliances will start to make sense, and I think that will probably be the ultimate objective here.
1: Yeah, it makes a tremendous amount of sense because I think a lot of work done on GPT-3, for that matter, of fact, which is uh, the whole NLP kind of body, and yeah. a lot of uh, research, as you rightly said, during the pandemic, also uh, when we are a lot of uh, data sharing at uh, the data analytics that was used along with AI. So a lot of stuff has uh, gone on and it's thanks to the alliances and more importantly, your own point, which you raised earlier, Anurag about uh, transparency in AI, ethical AI, explainable AI, whatever you want to call it. So there's a whole body of research that needs to be. So yes, uh, we may have a lot of skepticism over the alliances, which is also warranted because we, history has uh, clearly shown us that they didn't, but at least now, at least in these areas, they seem to be uh, uh, working and uh, to the benefit yeah. of the entire body, as such. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's also talk a little about uh, Shweta Vembu and I mean Padmasri because I thought that was. Uh, at least, according to me, it was quite a big thing, and it was a fitting thing, both from the point of view that at uh, for once I realize, you know, you, you sort of feel happy when uh, the award also gets a fitting person, and the person also yeah. gets a fitting award, kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, Subu Anulak, both of you uh, know uh, Sridhar Vimbu better than me.
2: So, I I was just delighted. I mean, I. We are losing you because business. you know uh, he he's done some outstanding work. He's walked the stock, and, and 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 I think I think he's been able to create enormous amount of value, and I think I think it's it's very well deserved. I mean, it, it is certainly he's one of those you know shining lights. I've always considered to be uh, a guy who's, who's 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 done you know followed his passion but created enormous value, especially to the hinterlands of India.
1: I think we're losing you, I think, so
2: suppose. My connection has been very unstable today. So why don't yeah. you guys just keep going on?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. can't hear you. Basically, Yeah, I, I think uh, Anurag, uh, uh, very importantly,
1: I uh, I think both of us, uh, when we were earlier also having the discussion, is that he, he's a very modest man, despite running almost like more than a 4,000 core enterprise. Uh, he has got about 9000 employees today i remember uh, interviewing him way back in 2014 and i wrote about it on uh, uh, sister concern uh, cxo today and that uh, you can see from the amount of response that that article got on linkedin it went viral uh, yeah. for the simple reason that this man has uh, sort of you know uh, captured the hearts of people it, they they love him they respect him and I, he's a very modest guy. What I like about him, I, I remember I was sharing this with Anurag sometime back. That when I went to interview him, he was actually sitting in the corridor, squatting with a few of his colleagues, which typically is what you know, that's the way he operates. And you seldom see a CEO like that. And it, you know that he's not uh, sort of uh, you know uh, pretending to be that man. He's just that uh, person.
0: Yeah. So I think you know we have to to think about it in a way that, yes, Zoho as an organization was founded, I think, way back in 1996. Thank you. Yeah, right? yeah. and then it has been continuing on. It has been on a growth path. It's not taken a, a, even a dollar of outside capital, right? Yes. And of, of late, over the last two years, you know, Shrider's philosophy, has been, how do, we, how do we lift up the underprivileged people, right? And a key reason why he moved himself out from the, uh, the, the center of Chennai to the outskirts, right? He, he lives there. He has started schools. He has taught the villagers how to grow their own garden, you know, plant their own vegetables. And, you know, he teaches in the schools, he, he goes in a, in a rickshaw. And I think the, the important point here is that, hey, one of the things which he says is that, you know, they have to be very disciplined, right? In terms of how do they grow the organization as well. And I think he's, he's marrying the business with community and is doing that very effectively. So one of the points which he raised to me was that the global employee attrition rate is about 7.5%. In the rural areas, he has found it to be 1.5%. So when you see that, then you say, okay, you know, what can I do more for the rural employees? Or what can I do more for the villages, right? And the way his his philosophy also works is that within the organization itself, within the office, he has got three in-house doctors, right? To lower the cost of healthcare, right? And his point is about how do I avoid the insanity that is connected to competition, right? So he is working through all those points and he's doing a lot of internal thinking and bringing them in the business aspect of it and in the process really succeeding. And that makes all the difference. Right,
1: And also, I think uh, very uh, interestingly, he, uh, I remember, uh, and he has not changed that pattern very much is that he uh, took students who were 12 standard pass, and then taught them engineering with his own, uh, with uh, with the money, funded them for their education, and then uh, co-opted them in uh, Zoho. So that was a very interesting part. And then many other tech companies also adopted a similar approach. Uh, yeah. Second thing is also that culture is very important for him, which is one reason why he's not very high on acquisitions because he feels that it will sort of destroy the culture within the organization. Uh, that he has not listed and um, uh, that he is completely bootstrapped a company without a single nap as a firm investor is something that you already highlighted. So, know
2: yeah. I mean,
1: this is that exemplary made in India story, and uh, that's why I called him a true ambassador of in India without. Him actually even claiming that position, or anybody wanting to give it, it's, it's
0: yes. a, a very heartening. That's that's kind in, of that is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah,
1: Subu, you also know him qu- quite well. Any uh, other things that uh, particularly striking? Okay, I, I think we have lost uh, Subu uh, out there. Uh, uh, Anuag, as far as AI adoption is concerned, uh, any other trends that you're seeing because you handle this entire asset? Forget AI adoption, even when you're talking about what are the kind of technology trends that you're seeing that are pertinent and very important uh, for uh, small and medium businesses out here in today's
0: place? So I think we have to l- look in terms of before the pandemic, after the pandemic, right? So it's very clear, right? So let's talk about post-pandemic, right? So what we are seeing that the post-pandemic has accelerated digital transformation. You know it, everybody knows it. It has been, there is a lot of media buzz already there, right? And every firm is on the path to change. So, So there are four components, right? One is hybrid IT or hybrid cloud, whatever you want to call it. There are two different things, but let's call it hybrid IT. The other one is this anywhere co-modal work. That is a trend that is there, right? Third is security, which is obviously important. It's always top, top of the mind, right? Then there is this edge computing, which is the next big thing. Right? And a lot, lot, uh, lot of SMBs are innovating at the edge. Analytics is the fifth important thing which is going on. And underlying the the enabling technology is the cloud. Right, Cloud is not only an essential IT infrastructure for these SMBs, it is also the essential business infrastructure now. And all of these things that, that I talked about, the hybrid and the anywhere co-model work, security edge analytics, and the digital transformation pieces of it are dependent upon cloud. So this is the trend we are seeing. But I think the important point here is, let's not look at it from a te- uh, technology perspective, right? We should think about it, what's the business challenge, right? or let's say what are the challenges of the business executives and what are the challenges of the IT staff within these organizations, right? I think that is very important to to consider. So the data really shows that the top five business challenges of these organizations are how to achieve cost efficiencies how to initiate innovation, because innovation all of a sudden has become on top of the mind, right? How to enable operational excellence? How to empower organizational productivity? It's not about the individual anymore, it's the entire organization. How to drive business growth and ultimately, customer intimacy. So these are the, the issues, the five big challenges that the SMB, whether you call it a small business executive or a mid-sized business executive, they are faced with, they are dealing with, right? And 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 these that challenges are, haven't, haven't really changed over a period of time. I mean,
1: even if I were to ask you this question about five years back or even 15 years back, I mean, these five uh, uh, points that you raised now were the challenges that probably uh, all these companies faced even say a decade back uh, is it that the, these challenges are sort of you know being uh, uh, sort of uh, being blown
0: out of proportion because of the complexity within the it frameworks is it that no or? no no uh, no i i think i think the way you have to think about this is that the the challenges were similar in the past but they were very narrowly focused right so when you let's let's take an example achieve cost efficiency right in the past it was about how do i reduce my operating cost so oper- re- reducing operating cost is one narrow aspect of it right but how do i achieve cost efficiencies end to end so that becomes a different challenge, right? How to initiate innovation? Innovation was never on top of the top of the mind. It was always about how can I introduce new products or new services in the marketplace because I need to compete better. But now it is talking about innovation. It's not about innovation at the, at the product level or the service level. It's the end-to-end innovation right? So that's where the things have changed, right? And the reason why things have changed is because technology is available to enable that, right? So, and that is the trend that we are seeing. And digital transformation is that, is that concept that enables all of these five different challenges.
1: Any thoughts on blockchain? Because that is also one of the, uh, it's being touted as one of the critical uh, components. of.
0: So, so, so blockchain has been there for a while. I mean, IBM was the, one of the biggest spokes, uh, spokes organization, if you will, talking about blockchain. And blockchain is being very effectively used within the small businesses only about 2 weeks ago we, i was talking to some users of blockchain this is like a, a, a jewelry uh, manufacturing and exporting firm they are using blockchain very effectively right because they need to make sure that whatever they are producing is effectively stamped and go out right or there there is a there is a there is a a art studio in New York that is using blockchain very effectively, right? Then there is a, a financial services firm that is saying, I need to track the transactions effectively. They are using blockchain, right? So again, we come back to the original example. So, so, so the short answer to your question is if you talk to the SMBs and say, which are the technologies that will have the biggest impact on your business over the next five years, right? Let's not even talk about immediate one year or two years, right? What comes up? 5G comes up. Artificial intelligence comes up, right? Blockchain comes up. You know, robots come up, right? Then you have other, you know, uh, development Internet of things, uh, the IoT. I mean, I- IoT is is what is edge and IoT is there and all that. But AR, VR comes up, right? So those are the kind of things that that come up, right? But but then, obviously, what are the immediate ones? Is the cloud, the security, you know, analytics, and so on and so forth, right? So so it's there, and we we track this market very effectively across d- different geos. So there is a healthy intent to adopt this right? But what is the the constraint? The constraint is the suppliers, whether the IT supplier or the channel partner that serves that SMB community is unable to develop the skill sets in these technologies to be able to connect the outcome that the business is looking for with these types of solutions, right? And then we have obviously these, the constraints within the SMB themselves, right? Budget constraints, uh, how to do more with less, you know, the IT skill sets and so on and so forth, right? So there is a need in the market today to become a super consultant, not a typical trusted advisor, but a super consultant that is able to go and understand the end customer's business needs, design and architect a solution based on modern technology, deploy that solution, and then manage that solution.
1: But the interesting part is also, I mean, as as we said, the necessity is the mother of invention. So probably because they are small, because they are budget-constrained, maybe they are, do you you find that they are far more innovative than uh, the other companies? For instance, in the fintech system in India, you have a lot of innovation coming from startups, coming from small businesses. And of course, the government uh, push for the entire SMB and the startup sector, which resulted in the United uh, Payment uh, uh, interface the UPI, and which sort of uh, help the entire fintech ecosystem become what it is today world class and uh, uh, showcasing yeah the,
0: uh, yes it, it is true absolutely you are you are hundred percent right the smbs usually respond to technology as a result of a business pain point right so let me give you an example of um a brewery in uh, las vegas right they d- deployed ai they deployed iot to make sure that they are filling the glass to the to the accurate level and deploying and and delivering the latest brew that they have got right so they have got these kind of things or the or the t-shirt manufacturing company, which is using a combination of IoT and blockchain and all to say, hey, you know what? I need my t-shirts to be tagged appropriately when it goes to the customer so that I can measure the return and I can track their flow and all that. So so there are many, many, many different examples. So you talked about necessity is the is the mother of of, of invention. Yeah, so so the SMBs are thinking about it and saying, okay, how do I innovate? Like for example, when, when indoor dining and outdoor dining stopped, right, How quickly, how quickly they adopted cloud to have curbside delivery or deliver food at home, right? Those who had resisted in the past, or even those who were already there you know, doing that, how quickly they, they change it, right? So so if a pain point is there, innovation is at its peak. And they be able to find a willing IT supplier, whether it be a startup or a large organization, to, to be able to deliver that, right? And you gave examples of the smaller firms. They are more agile. They are nimble. And they are able to deliver the needs to the needs of the end customer than the larger firms.
2: So, any final thoughts? No, I think I think it's uh, you know it's when you're when you're small and you're more agile uh, and you're more vulnerable. You know, you always uh, innovate a lot faster. I mean, that's yeah. that's been there. And uh, that's, that's true the world over. I mean, it's always been true. And if you looked at some of the finest uh, innovations that have come, it always comes when the company is very small. Obviously, when you grow bigger, then you have you know, your bureaucracy and your processes which impede innovation. But when you're small, you, know, you don't allow all of that. You just kind of power through and you know, just, just do what it takes to do.
1: Uh, so, friends, uh, as you may have noticed, uh, uh, it brings to mind the book uh, by the famous uh, economist E.A. Schumacher, who wrote Small is Beautiful. <coughs> I mean, that's a very, <coughs> that's a book that remains pertinent even in today's times, and we have seen the kind of innovation which Anurag, Subhu and all of us have highlighted over a period of time. <coughs> Sorry about this. So we have had some interesting discussions about uh, data privacy, uh, AI, uh, and of course uh, uh, the whole SMB market and the tech adoption, hybrid IT, hybrid cloud, edge computing, etc. And we also spoke a little about uh, Sridhar Vembu, who was awarded the Padma Shri, a very fitting uh, award for the fitting person. Uh, for now, we will uh, take your leave. Have a lovely weekend. Like and subscribe this channel and uh, share your insights. And if you want to be part of the show, please uh, do not hesitate to drop us a line.
0: Thank you for listening. Please subscribe for new episodes every week. And for daily enterprise techniques and news, visit CXOToday.com.